You're listening to the Lessons in Real Estate Show, sponsored by Mission First Capital, bringing real estate investment deals for active duty and veteran investors. Your host, Anthony Pinto, searched land, air, and sea to find military investors just like you investing in multifamily and commercial real estate, both active duty and veterans. Hear their stories, learn their lessons, and be inspired by the obstacles they have overcome on their path to financial freedom. Whether you are overseas or stationed at home, if you want to get started as a military real estate investor, this is the show for you. And now your host, Anthony Pinto. I'm so excited to have you guys here today on the revamped new and improved version of the Lessons in Real Estate show. I wanted to refocus on my mission here in life uh, with this podcast, and that is to help teach and inspire 1 million military members and veterans to achieve financial freedom through real estate. And as a part of the March to a Million campaign, my call is to show you the path to freedom of time and money, whether you intend to stay in for 20 years or get out next year. And so listen to the stories of fellow military members and investors just like you struggling, overcoming, and achieving success in multifamily real estate, and even some of them doing it while active duty, and really dig into their lessons learned, as well as their failures on their path to success. Uh, But you came here for the show, so let's get to it. Hey, learners, and welcome to another edition of the Lessons in Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Anthony Pinto, and today we have another amazing, exciting guest, super excited to talk about his experience both in and out of the uniform as a real estate investor and nonprofit organizer as well. Uh, Colby Bowers is a full-time real estate investor and co-founder of Veteran Pride Investment Group, LLC. And he's been investing since 2001 uh, and mainly in fix and flips and single family rentals. And recently uh, got into the idea of scalability and long-term wealth and moved into the multifamily acquisition phase as well as mobile home parks. Uh, since then, he's acquired over 500 rental units and expanded his company into three different markets. In addition to that, he's also served 23 years of distinguished military service uh, with an innumerable amount of accomplishments and, and awards uh, while in uniform and also started the company Veteran Pride Investment Group, uh, which also donates 20% of its profits to veteran and first responder charities. So Colby, welcome to the show. Thank you, Anthony. Uh, thank you for having me on, and it's a pleasure to be here. And happy New Year! <laughs> happy New Year to you as well. Yeah, you know, I've been uh, looking forward to chatting with you for a while because I think we we actually met at um, Rod Khalif's event uh, about a year and a half ago, and uh, I didn't at that time I didn't realize that you were a veteran investor, and uh, so it's I've been key to get you on here to talk. Awesome. No, thanks for reaching out, and uh, glad to be on here. And hopefully, I can impart some uh, good wisdom to uh, to your listeners. Yeah, I, I absolutely think you can. I mean, you've you've uh, you've done a lot for some other uh, investors that we've had on the show, Hirsch and, and Nick Vu, and, and uh, I'm excited to have you share those those same kind of lessons learned with with the learners. So let's just kind of start off with you know what what is uh, your military background and you know how did you get in, in the first place? Yeah, so my military background, I spent 23 years as a medic uh, in the Air Force. Uh, deployed quite a bit, got the luxury, got to jump out of airplanes, you know, do the nice hula stuff, work, deployed a lot with the Army, um, you know, did a lot of unique stuff for the for an Air Force guy and was non-special operations. So, uh, you know, that's that's kind of, you know, was my my bread and butter in my in my career and got into real estate back in 2001 when I actually I used my VA 
uh, and got a VA loan and bought my first uh, residential property. And that was uh, the same time frame when I also was started to deploy a lot. So that was basically bought, closed on my first house in August of 2001. And we all know what happened a month later. And literally two weeks after that, I was pretty much deployed nonstop for the next five, uh, five and a half to six years. Um, so instead of coming back and doing what everybody else in the unit was doing, you know, buying a that brand new car or truck, I still drove my 97 GMC paid off Z71 and just, you know, had combat pay tax free, you know, hostile fire, whatever, you know, all the, the money was just, it was racking up. Um, so I, I was like, you know what, I always wanted to kind of get into real estate. And so um, I bought my first rental property about uh, in 2003 and uh, it was another single family and just kept going instead of, uh, you know, cashing out. I saw the, you know, obviously that the market was increasing and it became addictive. So about every two or three deployments, I'd have enough for a down payment on a, on another purchase and would go in and, and do that and, and did that for four or five years. And then when I PCS from that location, that duty assignment, uh, I started buying, you know, a house uh, wherever I, I landed. And then uh, pretty soon, right before I retired, I had, you know, close to 10 rental properties. Um, across five different states and, you know, was, I was like, I was hooked and it was always tooling around is like, okay, how can I scale this? You know, I was still active duty and I had these 10 properties, property management. And I was like, you know, it, it's just not, you know, I'm making money. I'm not losing money, but I'm like, you know, I'm not getting rich um, doing this, you know? So there's gotta be another way. And that's, you know, really is when I retired back in 2016 is when I started looking into the multifamily and haven't looked back. So it's been an awesome ride. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, it's not very often that you hear someone involved in real estate as such a um, decades ago at, you know, at this point, I mean, it's, it's not, not to call you old, but you know, to have someone weather real estate markets from, you know, even before nine 11 through the 2008 and nine crisis um, you know, and until now it's just, it's, it's, it's not very often that you hear of, of individuals like that. So I'm excited to kind of dig into that a little bit. But, uh, you know, the first thing I want to ask about your, you know, one thing that you said there is that a lot of the guys that you knew, you know, were taking their deployment checks and buying the $50,000 brand new trucks and, you know, driving those around for a year or two before they upgraded to the next model and, you know, so on and so forth and just kind of, you know, wasting their money and since you want to call it that. So, but that's something that, you know, is, is, um, is, kind of hard to come by if you don't know how to properly use your money. And as someone who, you know, use your VA loan to, to uh, buy a property for their first property back in 2001, you know, what kind of lessons did you, did you have growing up that taught you how to responsibly use money in that, in that manner? Yeah. I mean, it all goes back to my parents, you know, my, it just, you know, my dad owned his own business. He was a small, small business owner, owned a small mechanic shop. It was family owned from the forties he took it over from his dad and, you know, my dad beat it into my brother and I, not literally, but made it made, basically we would go down and, and uh, work on weekends. I mean, 10 years old and, and, you know, kind of at the shop with him and he made our life miserable. And I realized at an early age that I am not going to become a mechanic and there's nothing wrong with that. But my dad saw the foresight of going, you know what, you know, he came home with busted knuckles, grease on his hands, 
you know, it was you know, working 10, 12, 16 hour days, you know, and running his own company, you know, he wanted something better for my brother and I. Uh, and so that's what he, so that's what, what he made it so miserable that I was like, I, I don't want to take over the business. I don't want anything to do with it. It, it that sucks. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, he was always big about, you know, living within your means, you know, everything within moderation, you know, whether that's, you know, partying, drinking, business, stay within your means and always have, you know, cash aside and always looking towards the future. How can you grow your money? And, and it just stuck with me. Um, and, and my brother, uh, he's also, you know, he doesn't not doing any, he, you know, he's still active duty military, but he saves money and then he invests, um, you know, not in the real estate. I'm trying to get him to do that, but you know, we're both into it of, of setting up, we have nest days, we have retirements, you know, we have emergency funds and all that was from our parents. So, you know, they were, they were a great driving force to where I am today. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, that's, that's something that I, I see common as well with guys who, uh, who are entrepreneurial at a, such a young age as it's been, you know, it's been ingrained in them from parents who did something similar or had a, a um, you know, more, more responsible view of how money is supposed to be used and making your money work for you. So, you know, I think that's amazing that you were able to take those lessons and, you know, not go the opposite route. Like, oh man, like owning your own company sucks. Like I never want to do that. You know, I'd rather just have a salary for the, you know, the rest of my life and not have to worry about all of that, but, you know, really taking those lessons to heart. So, so let me ask you this then. You know, um, something that I've kind of realized with, you know, being a landlord myself is that not everyone knows, um, I guess, common sense manners of like how to take care of a property, how to responsibly use their money, you know, how to run a family unit type of uh, type of thing. So for those people who may not know, you who know, may not have those lessons learned from their family, you know, what resources do you think are out there to teach the, you know, the, the, the uh, common military member how to responsibly use their money? Uh, you know, it, whether that's investing it in stocks, having a, you know, a uh, retirement fund, um, having a nest egg on the side, putting it into real estate, what have you? Yeah, no, that's a very good question. Um, you know, I've had this discussion with uh, other senior leaders in the military when I was in and even now is, you know, the military does a great job of getting the troops to basically pay their bills. Right. Because they're always, you know, pay your bills. Nobody wants to be on, on in front of the commander for, you know, because they didn't pay the credit card bill or they missed a, a car payment. You know, and, and obviously we know that's for a reason. Right. Because if we're talking about espionage in the bigger picture, you know, people that are financially constrained are great targets for our enemies to potentially leverage to, to get secrets and stuff. But what the military and, and, and I think they're getting better at it. And I think it, this goes back to the supervisors is you need to, to take those those young troops, whether airmen, soldiers, Marines, sailors and and really shows, OK, great. You're paying your bills. Now let's think about your future. And I think the military could do a better job of that. Um, and, and, and also supervisors with some internal programs. But that being said, is there's, you know, the first and easiest thing is that TSP, that thrift savings plan, you know, go in and have it automatically deducted from your paycheck, 10%, whatever, um, 5%, whatever you think you can afford, because if it's taken out and you don't see it, you don't miss it. And so I think that's the very first thing that I, I really ingrained in the troops was, hey, invest in the TSP, you know, don't you know, think of it as a percentage. And as you get promoted, you know, yeah, it may hurt right now because, you know, you're taking 10% of your pay that you're used to spending on 
beer, gas, whatever. Now, you know, as soon as you get promoted, it all disappears and you're actually still going to see a pay bump. It's like, Oh, okay. Um, and then from there, it's, 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 you know, self-education. I think, you know, figuring out is, you know, I, I self-learned the, the stock market, um, just reading books, uh, you know, and, and like you said, thank you for telling the re- you know, listeners how old I am. When I first started out, there was no podcast, there was no audible, you know, we still had libraries, you know, the computer, you know, online stuff. So it was like a lot of books, buying books and, and uh, Barnes and Noble was my best friend, mm-hmm. you know. But outside of that is find somebody, if you're still active duty, there are plenty of vet, not just veterans, but active duty that are in the investment space. And that was a big surprise that how, how many entrepreneurs there are actually in the veteran community and on still on active duty. So seeking those folks out and trying to get them to be a mentor is going to be huge. You know, they can talk to you about, you know, financial planning, um, how to invest, you know, how to invest within your means, how to, to look at investments, you know, and not because a lot of people would same way with the stock market. It's they, they, oh, I invest in the stock market. Really, it's they gamble in the stock market because they don't educate themselves. They listen to CNN or the news or whatever's happening, MSNBC and like, oh, this is the greatest thing. I need to invest in Tesla. Great. But maybe, you know, five years ago was the best time to invest in Tesla or six months ago. You know, has it rocked? You know, so I mean, it's just those things is, is finding somebody that can do that breakdown and help out is is key. And, and I think in, and to at least getting folks started while they're on active duty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's really smart. What you talk about there is really you just need to you need to learn or at least understand the resources available to you. Right. I mean, I think so many people are just like, oh, well, it's a bad time to invest in Tesla. Then I'm, I'm just not going to throw my I'm not going to do anything about it. You know, I'm not going to do the research to, you know, even get into the stock market. I'm not going to do the research to get into real estate because everyone always told me there's someone that probably has told them in their past life, like, oh, I had this awful experience with X, Y and Z in terms of investment. And I lost all this money. And, uh, you know, they become very, very uh, much hoarders of, of their capital or just completely spending it on things that are, are temporary kind of pleasures. Um, and so I think it's really prudent on the on military investor, like what you talked about, is to get educated on what resources are out there to to learn and how to actually use your money or make your money work for you. Right. You know, I think one of the best uh, one of the best I'll say reasons. Uh, one, one of the most advantageous things about being active duty is the fact that you have a pretty much a guaranteed income, right? There's a lot of things that you're going to have to really mess up to be able to essentially get fired. Um, you know, so you're pretty much guaranteed an income knowing that you can at least, you know, fog a mirror and don't mess up. Um, and even then you're still going to have multiple months before you probably get, you know, separated. So that's a, that's a huge amount of stability for a lot of people to be able to, you know, if they're financially prudent, set aside amount of money, you know, monthly or even yearly to really use to invest and build a nest egg in the future for themselves. Uh, more so than I think a lot of other industries, uh, you know, across the country where, I mean, you could be fired the next day for something completely unrelated to you, right? I mean, you could be laid off because someone who's the CEO of this company decided to do something stupid and lost, you know, millions of dollars. Uh, so it's, it's the financial stability, I think, of being in the military really sets up a great advantage for us as, as military members. And even guys who, you know, put in 20 years and retire and have a pension, like it's, that's an amount of stability that is hard to come by. Like a pension is hard to come by anymore in the civilian world. And then, yeah, I think that's a really good point. Great point. 
You know, and absolutely, I like to touch on that point because I can't tell you, you know, now that I'm, I'm out, right, and uh, I deal a lot with the civilians and, and investors and, you know, I can tell you how many uh, investors or folks that are wanting to invest that are, gel- they're like, wow, if I had the stability of that, that guaranteed check from the military, I'd be light years ahead of where I'm at because they're spending 90% of their focus on keeping their job. Just like you mentioned is there's a lot of businesses that are like, Hey, we're downsizing and here's your pink slip. Well, like you said, the military not, doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. So I think it's key that, you know, is if you're still active duty uh, in the military is take advantage of that and realize how good you actually have it mm-hmm. and leverage that. Even if you don't plan on doing 20 years, that's fine. You know, but if you know you're going to do it for four years, use that four years to leverage yourself for afterwards mm-hmm. and, and being an investor, being smart about money, saving the money while you're there is, is the, is the start to it. So. Absolutely. So I kind of want to touch on, you know, something else you kind of talked about there is, you know, you started in 2001, you know, with your first house that you bought using VA loan and started having a lot of this money coming in through deployment bonuses and such to start putting, you know, down payments on different houses. You kind of go along and, um, you know, I think that's not very common to be able to, to have one, one, have that amount of money to be able to spend, but two, also have that realization that you can make your money work for you and buy and buy and, you know, more and more properties. Uh, but you kind of got to the point where you realized that, you know, maybe having 10, you know, single family homes is great, but you needed something bigger, like, you know, buying 10 homes over 20 years, it's every 20 years is great, but it's not going to get you where you want to want to be as quickly as you sure you wanted it to be. So you ha- talk to talk to us about that transition into multifamily and really commercial real estate as a whole um, and, and how you're doing so far with that. Yeah, no, it, you know, I, I probably spent a good year to two years, you know, trying to figure out how do I get into multifamily, you know, how do, or really just into the commercial space uh, in general. And, you know, the mindset was is, I have to have deep pockets. I have to have, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars sitting in the bank uh, or millions of dollars in net worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, I couldn't really get my head around that. I'm like, other people are doing it. How do I get into this? And, and really that year and a half, I spent like listening to podcasts, um, reading books. And, you know, I was hearing on there is like, Oh, it's easy to get into multifamily and, and, uh, you know, do syndications okay, cool. Well, how do you set up a syndication? They're like, oh, they're just so easy. Well, nobody really breaks it down or it's been very few. And it's been a while since I've had to listen to listen to some podcasts, but to where they actually break it down, I'm going, okay, here's your sponsor. Here's your key key principles, your partners. Here's how you, you know, really, you know, peel back that onion, uh, sort of set, figure out. And so that was what I was really trying to drop my head around. And it was literally, it was, it was about a year after I retired, and I had heard, uh, um, I'd been listening to like Rod Cleave, Michael Blanc, Kevin Buff, all the, these different, you know, multifamily podcasters. And I, I went to one of the boot camps, and I was just like, you know what, I, I need to, I'm, I'm spinning my wheels. Um, I need to really know, let me, you know, it was, it was, I think I spent five or $600 on the ticket. It wasn't cheap. Plus I had to fly. It was in a different state hotel, you know, all this stuff. I think it's been about a thousand dollars to attend this. Now that's a huge amount of money to anybody, right? Especially if you're just starting out. But after the end of that third day, it was like a huge light bulb. Light bulb went off in my head and I was like, wow, okay, I can do this. 
you know, because they actually going through that. They actually broke down. Hey, like charts, like I'm a visual. I'm kind of like in most military guys, you know, give me give me something visual and, you know, give me a, a point and I, I can go towards it. And when they started breaking down the charts and stuff and then I had it in my hands, I'm like, OK, this isn't impossible. It's not going to be easy, mm-hmm. but it's doable. And I was like, you know what? I can do doable. You know, I've, I've deployed. I know what hardship is. I, you know, I know what, you know, de- being shot at and, and, you know, being in high stress situations. And I'm like, this isn't nowhere near that. So, you know what? Let me just fill out the system. And I think that's where we also come have the advantage of being in the military or having that military background is we can look at things. We, right, we can interpret commander's intent. Right. Commander doesn't tell us how to do it. He tells us what he wants or she wants. And then we figure out how to implement it and do it. And that's where I think is where that entrepreneur, where we, why veterans make great entrepreneurs and why multifamily was so attractive is here's the intent. I can get there, you know, and I'll figure it out. And that's what we've done. And that was in 2017 when I did that first boot camp. Um, I spent another almost $20,000 at that boot camp um, on coaching, mentoring. And that was also a driving force because if you sit back and you don't put anything toward money towards something, you can procrastinate all you want. But I literally maxed out the credit card, didn't talk to the wife, didn't talk to my business partner, made this spontaneous thing, but the light, it was there. I had the vision. I I was, you know, awoken to the possibilities. And now I was like, well, shit. I have a credit card bill that I need to pay off. So I, I need to figure out how to make this work. <laughs> so that was my other driving factor. Okay. I'm committed. And, and really that was the push. And it was six months later, um, really diving into, to the education that, um, and we invested in our first limited partnership. And so that was, I'm going to say January, February, of like 2018. And, uh, right now we're getting close here in two weeks and that's going to put me at about 504, right at 545 doors. Um, and then we have two other properties that are, um, we have a, a signed LOA going to PSA right now, purchase sales agreement. So I'll be over 600 units by the end of the first quarter. Wow. Congrats on that. First of all, that's awesome. I mean, so, so much success in such a short amount of time is, is, is amazing. And especially as a, as a, a veteran investor. So kudos to you on that. Um, but I kind of want to dig into something that you said there. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes is uh, what doesn't change doesn't change. And I think that that's prudent with what you just talked about there is, you know, you could have just gone to these boot camps and gone to these boot camps and spent a thousand dollars here and there and just, you know, not really done anything outside of that. But it was you just deciding to take decisive action that really made the difference in your ability to, you know, acquire a lot of these properties, gain the know-how, build the confidence to go find investors and, and you know, build an investor base and raise capital. Because it's, you know, it's, um, it's easy to just say, hey, I want to go be a multifamily investor and occasionally show up to some webinars and read some books and, and that's it. And you never really accomplish anything outside of that. And, you know, I, I think that... <clears throat> You know, uh, whether it's in real estate or just, you know, self-confidence um, presentations and things like that for like Tony Robbins, for example, it's only like, eight, like 80% of the people who, who actually go to those things don't end up doing anything. They don't take 
that advice out of the room and do anything with it. You know, it's essentially a waste of money for them. And so to be one of those 20% that actually takes the knowledge that they received in, you know, in that, uh, in the presentation, took that knowledge and put it into a mentorship, you know, and, and pretty much just said, Hey, said yes and figured it out later. Um, it is truly amazing. I think a testament you know, to, to investor investors and you as a, as a, um, you know, mission accomplished kind of, kind of mindset, mission intent kind of mindset. And, uh, so, you know, what, what kind of calculus was going in for you when you made, when you made that decision that kind of to take decisive action? Cause you know, there's a lot of people and myself included, I, I had a very similar situation with Rod Khalif where, uh, I went to, went to a meetup, um, which is the, I think 2000, yeah, 2019 where we saw, saw each other and, um, you know, I got called up to do a mentorship too with, uh, you know, t- talk with Rob and, or, uh, with Rod and sit down and do that. And, you know, and I decided not to, not to go ahead with it, but the calculus in my head was probably different than what was going through your head because it's, it's, it's a lot of money. So, you know, what kind of, what things were you weighing when you made that decision to take decisive action? Cause it could have been really risky. You could have realized that, you know, you just spent $20,000 and got nothing out of it. So what were you thinking? You know, that's a good question, probably because going back and, and if I actually probably had taken the time to really think it through, I might have not have made the decision when I did. <laughs> uh, and not to say that I wasn't. Th- and so I think what what was kind of the catalyst and what helped is, um, you know, I already had a little bit of experience in real estate with the single family. So I wasn't new to the concept. It's really I, I took the information and experience I already had, and I could see how I could apply that to the multifamily. And I could see, you know, I could, I, I could vision or, or see my path. So I think that that was very helpful. If I didn't have that past experience with, with real estate at all, it, it, I probably would not have, have pulled the trigger and, and done it. Mm-hmm. So at least I had the confidence. I knew that I could be successful in real estate because I had been, I had survived the 08 and 09. Um, and so I'm like, okay, if I can do it then with slim margins, I can do it here. And I saw the, the, the ability, the scalability and, and how, um, you know, multifamily is. And what I really like too, is, is it, during that conference, I had mentioned about during 08 and 09, that multifamily investments had a less than 1% default rate. So not, not, not foreclosure but actually people not making their payments was like run 1%, you know, or less than 1%. Mm-hmm. So that right there was like, wow. You know, I saw a 40% drop in my single family. The only reason I survived in the single family is because, and, and it wasn't because of knowledge. It was luck that I had bought properties, these single families in multiple States. So I had a couple of properties in Florida. I bought a house in Jersey. I, was, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> right. But Though the Florida and Jersey, they plummeted. Um, but I also had Georgia, South Carolina, and Texas properties that just went flat and were still cash flowing. So having that diversity was I was able to, to stay afloat. And I actually, why I'm in three markets now is for that diversity. Why I also is when I'm an LP, I'm an LP in other people's deals to increase that diversity even further. Mm-hmm. So so, cause it, you know, there is going to be another downturn um, as we thought COVID was going to make it worse, but you know, it hasn't been too bad. 
you know, my properties are still doing well. Some of them have gone flat. Some of them have still risen. Um, none of them have gone down and none of them are in foreclosure or, or have been in default. So yeah, uh, you know, that's just taking that and being actionable. Yeah. And, and I think that's great. Um, you know, what you, what you've able to accomplish. And, and I think that that's really key as, as real estate investors, you know, I think one of our key jobs and, and roles is to be a problem solver. And you saw a problem where, you know, you wanted to get into this multifamily realm, you just didn't know how to get, go about doing it. And you took decided to take the risk of, Hey, you know, I could, get a mentorship or I could try to figure this out. Uh, or, or, you know, you could do this by yourself and try to figure it out and probably hit a lot of barriers on the way, or you could take mentorship and put money down up front and put some skin in the game and really motivate yourself and, and have someone guide you uh, kind of to the promised land, if you want to call it that uh, of, of milk and honey. Um, so that's, I mean, that's, I think that's amazing that you're able to kind of take that, make that determination based off of, you know, some, some key factors that have happened. Uh, within your past. Um, and I think that's a definitely a great, a great lesson learned there. So, so let's kind of take that, take that further there. So investing in multiple different markets, and now you're kind of getting into mobile home parks, where did that, that motivation kind of lie to start? Cause that's, um, I feel like that's, that's becoming more and more of an occurrence. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a different asset class and how you like deal with it and how you evaluate it is different. So I'm curious how you got into that. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of it will COVID. So, Begin, COVID really kind of changed our process on how we resource deals. Um, and it, it has been a great, COVID has had been, at least in that aspect, has been positive because we had to go back and relook. Because pre-COVID, you know, we were relying a lot on brokers, building those broker relationships and sourcing deals that way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were getting some deals, um, obviously, but, you know, they were real few and far between. And then once COVID hit, you know, we really became more conservative. My team and I, we were very conservative to begin with. Property needs to cash flow at the get-go. But when COVID hit, we actually increased our vacancy of this property needs to survive at 20% vacancy and still cash flow on day one for us to consider moving forward. Mm-hmm. Well, what we realized is, well, none of the properties that the brokers were sending us was going to work. They were still pre-COVID priced. They're still, I'm still seeing stuff pre-COVID pricing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure as you are as well. Yep. And so we went, we took a different approach and we, so we started uh, sourcing our own list and then going direct to seller. And we had done a few uh, uh, letter campaigns and stuff to, to some mixed uh, results. You know, we hadn't like basically 100% committed to it. It was more of, okay, this is just, we're going to throw some money at it. Let's do this and see what, you know, what sticks. Um, we re-looked at that and was like, okay, we're, we're, we, we're going to try cold calling. And we saw cold calling versus the, e- or the letter writing. We saw uh, we had a lot more positive feedback on the cold calling. So we're like, you know what, we're not going to do letters anymore. Um, we're just going to start cold calling. And so we started sourcing those lists and we just started refining our pitch and we started seeing an increase. Like, so yeah, the, the first quarter when COVID hit, so first and second quarter, things were really slow as we were working through this new way, but third and fourth quarter, um, we we've had, uh, three other deals that we've come close to closing on just during due diligence, um, you know, there's, there's more other challenges about going direct to seller that, you know, are somewhat mitigated when you have a, a broker. Um, 
you know, so brokers are tend to be a little bit more forthcoming and open with the financials. Sometimes sellers direct, you know, basically we, we've been lied to a few times and that's key to why it's important to do due diligence, walk the property yourself and see, because that's why we bought, walked out of deals is, you know, quick example property we had, they're like, Oh, all the roofs have been replaced in the last five to seven years. Great. That's always a plus, right? When you're trying to incorporate CapEx, we get there. And what they really meant to say is this one roof was patched in the last five to seven years, but the two foot hole in the other property that's been there for three years that they weren't, they didn't think that needed to be um, you know, brought to our attention and Oh, come to find out is actually none of the roofs have been replaced. They just had one little patch. Mm-hmm. So, you know, stuff like that, that you kind of, you know, you get into, but, but that's going back is, is, you know, the property we have now under, under contract that we're closing on in two weeks off market. Um, and, and, how we got transitioning into multifamily was pure by a little bit of accident as we started calling in our market and didn't realize that we had mobile home parks on, on a couple of our lists that had, you know, we tried, we were like, that had, um, uh, we tried to vet them out, but they ended up coming on uh, or being in our list. And we called and we had a positive feedback and we're like, man, these numbers look great. Um, so how do we do this? And, what we did is, is uh, we teamed up with another operator who happens to be uh, a Marine veteran, Marine and Navy veteran pilots. Uh, and they've had, they've closed on five or six uh, mobile home parks plus multifamily networked with them. We're partnering up on these, on these, on these mobile home parks. And so that gives us the validity is one is get, you know, we underwrote it and we're like, okay, let's, let's say yes and figure this out. We found a partner brought it to them. They helped us modify our, our underwriting to fit. And then now when we're going to banks is, yeah, we don't, I don't have any experience in mobile home parks, but our partners do. So we're still going to close. We already have funding. It's going through. Now it's just going with our, you know, uh, getting the capital raised for this syndication. And then we're like, wow, the returns on this are great. You know, I'm, we're seeing like 12, 15% cash on cash, 28% IRR, and it's like, we need to look into this. And so we're, we're gradually expanding out. So if we get this one, it'd be 98 doors. We're going to do it's two properties. We're putting together as a portfolio, uh, 98 doors. This is going to be kind of our proof of concept and go going forward. And then we're going to start um, our cold call list. We actually have a couple lists already now of um, just all mobile home park owners. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to give it a shot. And it just comes out of necessity is we weren't seeing a lot of deal flow. I mean, we're still doing deal flow with, with multifamily, but it is hot and popular. People are like, Hey, I'm going to sell my property, but I want to get money for it. Mm-hmm. And so I think the mobile home parks is still uh, uh, an under realized um, niche, if you will, still, I think it is gaining popularity, but we're going to come in and it's just a but it goes back to diversification and, you know, saying yes and figuring it out. Mm-hmm. I love it. No, I love it. And, uh, you know, you, you packed a lot in there and I kind of want to pick at, pick at some things you talked about. So, uh, you know, commonly in probably the most uh, popular method of finding properties, whether it's multifamily or not, is, uh, is going to a broker. And you mentioned that you're kind of having, uh, running out of luck on that end. 
And you dug into going straight to the seller. And you mentioned that you, you, you had some, um, some listing sources that you use to get those, those seller lists in the first place. Can you kind of talk about what you use to actually get those lists and, and go about cold calling? Yeah, sure. You know, it, it, you can pay for them or you can put in some time and effort. Um, the time and effort route is basically just go to the tax assessor's office and uh, di different markets and different assessor's office. You can go in and put parameters. Some of them you can put like, you know, specifically mobile home parks. So you can put multifamily number of doors. You can even put age ranges in there. Um, so that's just one way. So, you know, um, so you can do it yourself if you're going to um, bootstring. If you have a little bit of money up to the side, hire a virtual assistant. Upworks is great. You can do a data analysis, you know, and spend, you know, one or two hundred dollars and they can compile that list for you. Um, you can get subscriptions to like Reonomy. Um, you know, um, what's the other one that's really expensive? Co I can't even CoStar. Yeah. yeah, I don't even have CoStars yet. I can't justify the $17,000 or whatever it is for the annual thing yeah. um, yet. But, you know, I have Reonomy, so I can pull lists from there. Uh, and then we'll, we just delve into it. Uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, that's just, there, there's, there's free ways and then there's some paid ways. And then there's also like list source and there's a few other ones that you can go and you can pay um, for those. But honestly, what they're doing is they're pulling from probably CoStar and, uh, you know, these other places, uh, uh, other resources. And yeah, you're, you're getting charged, you know, a thousand dollars depending on the size of the list or more. Um, but you know, it's, it's, you know, time is also money. So if you can be focusing on other things, paying somebody a thousand dollars to get, you know, 500 to a thousand, um, cold, uh, lists, you know, it, it could be worth it. So, yeah. So there's multiple plays and then networking, you know, doing favors for folks. Like I don't have co-stars, but I can still get some co-star reports every now and again, mm -hmm. because I've networked with folks, you know, and be like, Hey, you know, can, you know, here's a um, bourbon is great. I love, you know, here's a bottle of, of bourbon. We got a local distillery here in town, send them a nice bottle. And, you know, for a co-star report uh, uh, to, 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 to pull those lists. So there's, there's different ways to, to uh, you know, to, to get those lists and, 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 and make those cold calls. Yeah. I, I think that's smart. I think it really underlies, uh, you know, the fact that real estate is a very much a relationship business, you know, not only finding and talking with sellers, but also finding and talking with brokers, finding and talking with guys who can get you the list in the first place. I mean, it's multifamily has really taught me that it is very much a team sport. Um, and there's multiple people that you're going to be working with versus a single family home where, especially if you're self-managing yourself, you're probably not having anyone else involved with it at all. You know, maybe an occasional contractor, but it's really just you and your tenants, but multifamily, I mean, I mean, you're talking multiple, especially as a syndication, you're probably talking multiple people coming in on the GP side to help you know, take down this deal to fill the different roles. Uh, if you're doing a syndication, obviously you're having investors come in on that end. Uh, lenders, brokers, property management. I mean, so many different different uh, aspects of the team, and I think that's that's great. You're you're thinking you're thinking larger angles rather than just trying to you know get the get the uh, most you can for the uh, least amount of money. Um, I think that's awesome. So, and I think that you know that's not a necessarily a common strategy that a lot of people have, or at least don't talk about, is going off market by finding you know these lists and almost almost going about it from like a wholesaler kind of perspective, like, Hey, uh, you know, for example, wholesalers go and say, Hey, you know, I have a thousand properties that are all, you know, 
behind on taxes or they all have this particular issue and you're essentially doing that, but you're going from it like, Hey, I want all of these units in this particular area that are these many units on and up or have, you know, we're last sold at this date. Um, and, and kind of going about it that one. I think that's, that's really smart. Um, and something that's probably not as common as a lot of people would think. So that's, that's awesome on your end for doing that. Absolutely. You got to find those, those advantages. Besides that, my, uh, I just had a phase one environmental or I'd get a phase one environmental in all our properties. Mm -hmm. My, the engineers and the, the company owner who just happens to also be a veteran, um, is, if they come across or they hear wind of one of their clients that is going to sell one of their properties, I get an email or a phone call. Nice. There you go. So there's other ways that you can go. Property management is another one. So, you know, you don't have to go on LoopNet. You don't have to have all these broker relations. You just need to talk, talk. Everyone that you talk with in this industry needs to know that you're looking for deals. And every one of them knows, like I sent them, I'm looking for 20 plus units, 20 to 150 units, this age rate. I mean, I, I sent them my criteria and so they know it. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so that's just another, another tidbit. That's smart. Yeah. All right. Well, we're getting towards the end of the uh, episode here. You want to get into the snapshot round? Let's do it. All ahead, plank, cavitate, snapshot, tube, tube. Okay. Colby, first question. What is your number one failure in real estate? My number one failure to this date has been a flip project that I did in an unknown market and with a, I thought, vetted contractor and ended up losing money on the deal. Um, not only that, is the contractor ripped us off by $20,000. And yeah, so that was a huge, uh, yeah, that was, that was a big lesson learned. So uh, walking the property and vetting, vetting your resources. Smart. Yeah. I, you know, that, that seems to be a common failure that I've heard for a lot of other people is, is there is the flip. Uh, so uh, sorry that happened, but I think it's a really good lesson there. Um, so as a former active duty investor and, and, you know, as a veteran investor in general, what advice do you have for other military investors to be successful? Educate yourself, get that education about investing and then partner up, um, you know, get that mentor. Uh, like you, you mentioned, this is a team effort. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, that's the biggest thing. And then take action. Don't just take all the knowledge, but take a step, whether that's just making a phone call to, a, to a practice in your sales pitch mm -hmm. or, or trying to source a deal, do smart. something. That's smart. Yeah. All right. What inspired you to serve your country? You know, I, I, my family, um, it's, it's family history. I think everybody, um, I have, uh, both sides of my family all the way back to the civil war, um, have served. So my dad served, my grandfather's served, uh, Korea. I mean, basically every major conflict since the civil war. Um, so that's kind of been ingrained. Um, my brother and I are the only the second and third members of our family to actually, is going to go to retirement. Wow. That's awesome. Congrats on that. Thanks. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. I mean, it's not very often you hear such a, a storied military past like that, all the way back to the Civil War. That's that's truly amazing. Awesome. And then last question for you, Colby, what is your dream? My dream is to buy a 100-unit apartment complex and donate it to a nonprofit 
to house homeless veterans and have it set up to where it's close to a, a VA hospital. So we can get these, are these what, almost 40,000 homeless veterans off the street and be coming back to contributing members of society again. Oh man, that's, that's awesome. That's my 10 year goal. That's awesome. You know, I, I, um, I have a special soft bites in my heart for veteran homeless uh, as well. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of organizations that, that kind of deal with that, but I think that's a really awesome goal to be able to have enough money and be financially secure enough to be able to just buy, buy and donate a property like that. I mean, that's amazing. That's amazing. And, and, and you know, I think we need more people like that uh, and more opportunities like that for, for veterans. So kudos on that. Um, you know, Colby, I, I, you know, this has been a really awesome episode and I, you definitely have shared a lot of experience and I feel like we could keep talking for even more especially on your, you know, 20 years of, of real estate experience. Um, but, you know, if people want to learn more about you, uh, where can they go? Yeah, easy to go to our website, uh, www.veteranpride.org. Um, uh, you can also email me directly, colby.bowers at veteranpride.org. And I'm, I'm willing to talk. I love talking real estate. And because my wife hates it, so I need somebody to talk to. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. You know, that's funny because, um, you know, you talked about, you know, what it made me think of earlier was you talked about you didn't t- discuss the decision to, you know, throw $20,000 onto your credit card with your wife. I was like, I was just thinking, oh, what what would I do if my wife, if I did that to my wife? I don't, I don't even think I'd be alive anymore if I did that. So. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, I might sleep on the couch a night or two. I don't know, but you know, looking back, she's she's you know she's on she's on board now, but she still doesn't want to talk about it because she's like, it's no, she's like it's together. not her thing. <laughs> I totally get that. I totally get that. You know, um, awesome. Well, Colby, thanks again for coming on. I appreciate you sharing your knowledge and your wisdom on here. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely have to stay in touch. And please stay safe back in the states. You too, Anthony. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening. If you are a military investor and found this episode of the Lessons in Real Estate show packed with great information, tell your friends and leave a five-star rating on your listening platform. Every comment is read and appreciated. Don't forget to check out our weekly episodes of PCI Teaches, brought to you by Pinto Capital Investments. Learn about basic and advanced topics in real estate investing. Catch updates on Anthony's journey through Learn and Teach segments and listen to the tales of other military investors and real estate professionals every week. We'll catch you next time on the Lessons in Real Estate show.